I can remember one time it woke me up at two o'clock in the morning because I was like, oh my God, there's something I've got to search for. <laughs> like it literally woke me up from sleep. Wow. Welcome to Talking Simulator, a series of short conversations about video games with interesting people who play them. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and in this episode, I discuss the investigative FMV game Telling Lies with my guest, Lizzie Atwood. So my name's Lizzie Atwood, and I am technical director of Furious Bee, which we started in 2014, and I was the sole programmer for Telling Lies. Good news, there are no spoilers in this episode. Telling Lies follows a similar format to its predecessor, Her Story, a game in which you type search terms into a virtual desktop to find video clips from police interviews with a woman whose husband went missing, using these extracts to piece together events. In Telling Lies, the clips are from an NSA database, and a lot of them are from video calls between people who don't seem to realise they're being recorded. As in Her Story, these clips are full-motion video, recorded with real actors, And while you play, there's another full motion video, translucent in the background, that represents the reflection of the curious character you're controlling as she trawls through these clips. By the way, a side note, it only struck me halfway through my conversation with Lizzie that I was talking to someone who'd made a game about snooping on people's video calls via video call. I think it was because I suddenly heard kids playing outside her window in the background. So if you hear that at any point, hopefully it won't bother you and will instead prompt you to also appreciate the meta. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Lizzie also worked on her story, helping creative director Sam Barlow with the mobile versions of the game. So we start by talking about that. After all, it's how she got the job as sole programmer on Telling Lies. I love that. Just so everyone knows, by the way, sole programmer. (laughs) That's the important, that's the important part. So Sam did the uh, writing and directing and then I did the software side Mm. and then there were a few other people on the team, like we we used a UI designer and an audio designer and obviously uh, Nanita composed the soundtrack for it and then obviously, oh, the crew, the, the crew that were in LA as well just blew me away, they such an amazing team that did the filming but it's been a really great project for me because especially at the start Sam was concentrating on writing and directing so I was very much free to Mm. just um, have creative control over myself while I did the first few versions and he really only came on and started checking in um, in the last few months really for a long time he was afraid of checking in for some reason I don't know why (laughs) Because he, when he did her story, he did it all in JavaScript. Mm. And so that was his like constant threat to me. Whenever I said something was going to take a long time or I hadn't got round to something yet, he'd be like, oh, I'll check it in in JavaScript if you're not careful. <laughs> but yeah, the whole of telling lies is C sharp. So I think for a little while he was, it, he's technically very competent and he would have not really had any problem at all jumping in and editing those files. But for a little while, I think he was just worried about breaking things. Yeah. Let's talk about how you first started working together. So you started working with Sam Barlow when he asked you to do some work on the mobile versions of her story. What did that involve? And was it difficult coming into a project that had been very much the work of just one person up to that point? I don't think it's difficult because it was one person. It's difficult because it wasn't a dedicated technical person. Like he's a designer by trade. And so his he made some interesting decisions about the way to go about 
a project. <laughs> Certainly it wasn't in source control, mm. which is something that I bang on about all the time when I visit universities and I talk to students and say source control is like my 101 game development. This is what you need to know about. This is what you need to use. Even if you're working by yourself, it's really useful because you comment every stage of the process. So if you go, oh, why did I do that? Then you can go back through the history and find out, find a little message from yourself to tell mm. you why you did something. But he just gave it to me in a, in a Google Drive drop which is unusual <laughs> and it wasn't working. So it wasn't quite, I don't understand quite what happened, but certainly it needed some fixing up just to run. And then I did some fixes for iOS for him. And then he said, oh, would you, do you want to do the Android version? So we did the Android version. And then he just said, well, you, you may as well just do the next game. <laughs> and that was about two and a half years ago. Had you played her story before you started working on it? Yeah, absolutely. So I worked with Sam at Climax uh, Solent. And so we'd worked together before we knew each other and I knew what he was working on. And I chatted to him when I'd seen him at events a couple of times to see how it was going. So, yeah, we were keen to play it as soon as it came out. And then we got, you know, initially we, we probably downloaded it and played it because we're supporting our friends but then we totally got into it and it's a great couple game, I think, to play. Like we would sit and play it before we went to bed. And then it, a Karuma one time, it woke me up at two o'clock in the morning. So I was like, oh my God, there's something I've got to search for. <laughs> <laughs> like it literally woke me up from sleep. Wow. So yeah, I got, I really enjoyed uh, Hester and I got really into it. And it's good to be able to play something and then take it apart afterwards like, and understand how it works. It's an interesting uh, it's because normally when you work on something, you don't really enjoy playing it. Although that was kind of different with Telling Lies because for a really long time, we just had placeholder video. So I understood the script. I knew it off by heart. Even when I was watching filming, I could tell when they said a word that wasn't in the script. It, it was. It's the only game I've ever worked on where I was super excited to play it. When the actual proper final video came in, it was like someone had textured a level overnight, like a... You know, you'd been working with Whitebox for, I guess, probably two years at that point. And then all of the video came in and it was like a new game. It was like it had just been coloured in, in one fell swoop. So yeah, it was super exciting. That must be really different from what it's normally like for you to work on a game, to kind of get all the content right at the very last minute. Yeah. So people might need some help understanding what your work on the game kind of looks like when you got started what were you given to work with and how did you go about it oh so when I started I had nothing I wasn't given anything I had a brief of the story and roughly what it was so but I understood her story I knew that I was essentially rebuilding the structure of her story but with a few extra like caveats like the reflection was going to be a much much bigger part of the story in fact early on we were discussing whether or not we would do the reflection as CG. But we thought here, that's not going to work. Like if you're looking at FMV the whole time, you need to either make the reflection so subtle that you hardly see it, or you need it to be the same as the videos that you're watching. So I recorded um, a loop of me sitting in front of my kitchen window. And in fact, that video was the reflection for two years 
was just me waving my head around in front of my kitchen window with my fridge and all of the fridge magnets and all of that. And then it only got replaced like in that in the last six months. And then we started tweaking all of the settings of the reflection then. I took a little bit of time off, in fact, because I'd kind of finished the software side of it. So the main menu that you have and the desktop that you go into, all of the menu bars, the fact that you can move the icons around, resize windows and move them around and the structure of the retina window and what it looked like and the functionality of everything that was in it all existed. And then the filming still hadn't started yet. And it it turns out that trying to make film is like herding cats because you talk to one actor and they're like, yeah, I can do it in October. And then you talk to the other actor and they go, no, no, I'm busy in October. And trying to get them all available and able to do it at the same time is really difficult. So I just took a few months off while we were waiting for the filming to happen because it kind of got to the point where it's like, is there any point in us tweaking a reflection that's just me sitting in front of my kitchen fridge? Yeah. <laughs> we need to wait until we've got the real thing so that we can tune it and work out how it fits in with everything else. I think we should, just in case anyone listening doesn't know what we mean by reflection, so that's the reflection of the player character sat at this virtual desktop that you can see. And that was something that was in her story, albeit in a much kind of simpler way you kind of just had a fuzzy outline what are some of the other differences before we move on to telling lies properly between her story and telling lies so her story was sort of uh, 90s nostalgia vhs i guess 80s nostalgia vhs and therefore the operating system was much more of a 3.1 windows style thing you know where uh, it was much more rigid you couldn't resize windows you couldn't move things around um it didn't have a toolbar I'm just trying to remember it now (laughs) it's been a really long time since I've looked at it and all the videos looked really old-fashioned as well like kind of those curved corner type stuff yeah absolutely so that that, that what was happening in a shader on on top was distorting the picture so it looked like it was on a old style cathode ray tube and also scan lines So with this one, we went with a much more modern look. In fact, in the early days when Sam was concentrating on the writing of the story, he just sort of said to me, just make an operating system. And because the brief was NSA, I thought of Edward Snowden. That's what I associate with NSA. And so I did some research on that and I found that apparently his um, operating system of choice was Tails, which is like a Linux operating system which just boots from a USB key. And so I got a copy of that and I had a look at that and I essentially tried to copy the functionality of how that worked and what that looked like. So it's it's modern, but it's the idea is is that it's made by like an open source team. You know, they don't have the budget of Microsoft or Apple. And so it's modern, but it's not perfect. That's sort of what we were going for with it. So yeah, the reflection is different. The videos are much, much longer with telling lies as well. And one of the main differences is that you get dropped into a video at the point of the word that you searched for. Whereas with her story, you would just get dropped in at the start of the video and they were much, much shorter clips. Now we uh, have given the ability to scrub through them, but not to jump through them to wherever you want. So the idea was, is that we were trying to discourage people from 100%ing. Like it's unnecessary to see all of the detail it's only necessary to chase the things that you're interested in. And so we've, we were trying to orchestrate a situation where it sort of discouraged players from trying to look at every single thing. 
you are preempting a question I was going to ask about <laughs> the way that I play telling lies, which I feel like from what you're saying there is the wrong way of playing. Right, telling okay. lies. So this core interaction of searching through the video clips. So you, you type in a word or a phrase and you click on search and then you get a message that tells you how many videos have that phrase in and you get the first five chronologically and those are the ones you can watch and that's given a narrative justification in the game but obviously the point of only giving you the first five is to make it a more interesting game to play right because you know then you have to figure out more specific words yeah to otherwise the someone just searches for the <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the the reason I say I think that I'm playing this game wrong is there are a couple of features. So like the one you said where it goes to where the word is in the clip rather than the beginning, things like that. So what I do is I rewind them back to the start every time and I watch the whole thing. And you've also implemented this feature where you can click on subtitles to search for a word that comes up. Yeah. I have never used that feature, I'm sorry to say, <laughs> because what I do is I watch all the clips that I find in a particular search in order all the way through and then I write down in a notebook in real life as I'm watching things that I think might be said on the other side of the conversation because you only get one half of the conversation and I want to find the other half. And then I go to the next term in my notebook and I search and I do that again. So I get the feeling that is completely the wrong way to play this game. I mean, the thing is, is uh, one of the crazy things about this game is I have really enjoyed watching people play it. I've been on Twitch. I mean, my other half is so fed up with me watching Twitch. I've been on Twitch every day this week watching other people play it. And I'm amazed at the number of different play styles I've seen. You know, there are people that are using the click to search on the subtitles and there are people that are rewinding every single one there are people that are just playing from the word they got and not going back and uh, or trying to search to find the keyword to jump them back to the beginning it's just really interesting to watch the way i mean one of the things that's blown me away is some people don't watch all the videos returned in that search oh so some people a video will get returned that doesn't have the little eye on it that's what indicates it's actually the opposite way round to her story. Her story would have a little icon in it if you hadn't seen it. And in Telling Lines, we swapped it around the other way. It's got a little icon when you have viewed it. That's wild. I didn't even notice. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, some people get those videos returned and they don't go into them because they're looking for something else. And that just blew me away. I was not expecting that. And I've also been in every stream going, oh, you can bookmark. <laughs> <laughs> How does it make you feel when you like work really hard to implement these features and then you see that people just aren't using them? Yeah, I mean, it's fine if they're not using them, but it's more frustrating if they haven't realised that they're there. For example, I was watching one stream where we were watching the other side of the little girl having uh, a conversation with her dad. And the streamer was just saying, well, there's no way to skip these boring parts where she's not saying anything. And so I had to step in there and go, please press the help. And she was like, what do you mean, press the help? And I was like, click to pause. So she clicked and then she saw the help button and she pressed it and then it explains how to scrub. And then she just went, oh, no. (laughs) I don't know how long she'd been playing it for, but she'd just been watching the videos. So even if she found a conversation that had very little speaking in it, she didn't realise that she could scrub through it and... um, 
try and find the bit where the speaking happened. I did find the the rewinding and the scrubbing forward kind of slow. And I think I've seen at least one other person mention this. And I wonder if maybe that was intentional because you're not supposed to just scrub through them or like rewind back to the beginning with every clip. Or do you look at that and think maybe we should have made it faster? At this point, I completely defer to Sam. It's Sam's mm. baby and he he wanted it at that speed. And it's not like we set it at that speed and then just went, okay, that's done. We tried it at loads of different speeds and mm. this is what he was happy with. He didn't want people to scrub through it super fast. So yeah, it is, it's an active design decision that he took. And I'm not really sure... I've got an opinion on it, to be honest. Like, I'm surprised that it's as contentious as it is. <laughs> you know, they've pat like <laughs> some people have patched the code. I don't know what to make of this. This has never happened to me before. But on Steam, they've patched my code. <laughs> the users. <gasps> wow! What to speed up the rewinding? Yeah. To, oh my goodness! To put jumping in and and I and I've looked at what they've done and. 100% it will cause bugs if people use that. Because like I said, I've spent months trying to make that beautiful and smooth. And it, in fact, it, on different platforms. So for example, if you download the game on an iPhone 5S, it won't update, it won't spam the video player as often as it does if you download it on an iPhone X. It's a little bit more powerful, so it allows it to update. It allows it to try to seek in the video 60 times a second, whereas on the 5S, it'll only allow it to seek 10 times a second. And, but on Steam, they've hacked it in a way where it's going to seek as long as they've got the button down. It's 100% going to cause the cause the game to be more buggy. So it's, an, it's interesting that you brought that up because it's uh, contentious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that's never happened to me before. I mean, I guess like a lot of my background has been in console games. And obviously it's not, um, I mean, you've got to be pretty hardcore to be hacking a console game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I guess I just didn't, it didn't occur to me how easy it would be for someone to take C sharp and decompile it, change it and recompile it. Since then, I've looked up, how can I stop this from happening and essentially you can't someone that is motivated is always going to be able to do it so i've just got to accept (laughs) we'll just end up making more and more complicated code so that the other people have to get better and better and better at kind of decoding (laughs) yeah it's difficult for me because my methodology has always been to like i am i'm a gameplay programmer not an engine programmer so i've always been like readability is the most important thing Because I know that I'll come back to it in six months' time and need to edit it. And I need to understand it because it's so big, I would have forgotten. I can't hold all of it in my head at all times. So, yeah, it's it's bizarre to go, right, in order to protect my code from other people, I have to write it as badly as possible (laughs) 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 so that it's not readable for another person. Whereas I'm just like, I use massive long variable names so that it's almost like reading English when you're, when you're reading it. And I'm like one of these people that will rename a variable if its purpose has changed. So that the code isn't confusing, (laughs) even though I'm the only person reading it because I know how important it is for me. So, but yeah, it's, um, it's bizarre. (laughs) 
wonder how much of the contention comes from the fact that, like you mentioned, these clips are so much longer than the ones in her story. And maybe people came out of the her story experience thinking, right, his next game will be the same kind of experience. I'll be able to play it in an afternoon. And I don't think you really can with this one. Do you think maybe that's why? Yeah, maybe. Do you think people just, people want to just get it over and done with? (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily over and done with, but just like, you know, if they, if they played her story and that is such a vivid memory for them because it was such a good game and they think, you know, this is the kind of experience I'm going to get. I'm going to get short clips. I'm going to watch through them. I'm going to move through the game quite quickly and get the story that way. This is, this has much slower pace and maybe people weren't expecting that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. But then, you know, obviously for Sam, from Sam's point of view, he didn't just want to make that story again. Mm. That would have been boring for him. He wanted to do something different. He wanted to try something different. Certainly the two sides of the conversation was one of the ideas that he had before we'd even started. He knew that that was what he wanted to do. He wanted to split it in two and then have the extra puzzle of you trying to decipher what would the other person have said in order to get that reaction so that we can try and solve that puzzle and find the other side and then get that eureka moment when you see it come up. Yeah, the two sides of the conversation and the fact that there are many more characters in this game. Those are obviously big kind of narrative changes that Sam made compared to her story. But I wonder, were there any changes that were made purely to the kind of interactive design for the benefit of the player experience that were kind of lessons learned from her story? Apart from, um, you said about the the icon, meaning that the video has been watched rather than that it hasn't been watched. Were there any other changes that were made for, for those kinds of reasons? I mean, we've tried to make it a little bit more interactive, have a little bit more going on on the desktop that you could just sit and click on and use to blow off steam when you were a bit stuck. But other than that, I I don't think so. I think that he was really... I mean, the thing is, is her story went down amazingly well. I mean, really, uh, he was really happy with the reaction to that. I just think he wanted to do something different. He didn't want to repeat a trick. I think he's on record as saying, um, you know, that loads of people were asking him, going, oh, can you present my story like that? We'll use your format. And and so it could just be reskinned. But he just didn't want to do that. Well, it's good to know that he's got that in the back pocket, though, for when he runs out of ideas. He can just kind of sell out his format to other people. Like, okay, we'll make your story like her story, and it will be this whole big genre. I mean, we were super surprised, really, that no one had tried to copy it in the meantime. Mm. I mean, really good for us while we spent two and a half years, you know, crafting this one. But it was weird to me that no one else had tried to do a similar thing. You know, people have done... FMV games since then, but they've still gone back to that familiar choose your own adventure format for it, mm. which is just interesting. It is. I mean, especially considering how much of game development is just clones. Building on what people have done before. Right. Entire genres are created that way. You know, the first person shooter is the Doom-like or whatever it was called at the beginning. And, you know, you've got the Rogue-like and you've got games that are like Minecraft it's Yeah, it's pretty wild that no one's tried to copy her story. Do you think it's just because it's much more difficult than it looks? Yeah, maybe there are some projects that are shelved somewhere where people have tried <laughs> to copy it. But they, they, I mean, the thing with Sam just really loves spreadsheets. He spends all of his time just fiddling with spreadsheets, and that's where a lot of his ideas come out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
when you were working on this game, a lot of the people working on the game were over in the States, including Sam, I think, was over there for a, for a large part of the development. And obviously, all the crew and the actors who were filming the videos, that was happening over in the States as well. But you're based in the UK. Yorkshire, is that right? Yeah, I'm in Sheffield, yeah. And working on the game with such a kind of intercontinental team, what was that like for you? Did you ever feel distanced from the other people working on it? No, not really, because I guess it was just me and Sam. The vast majority of the time, it's just me and Sam interacting. And he's in New York. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so it's perfect for me. Because <laughs> just when he's getting up and taking his kids to school is when I'm getting up. <laughs> and so, yeah, it works really well. We also get on quite well. So there's... Odd occasions where, you know, if you hear something or you um, read something in text, you don't have all of the nuance of that. Mm -hmm. So there's the odd occasion where I just have to get on a call with him because I'm getting really stressed out about something that I've been told. But when I hear his voice and he's all very laid back and relaxed, then it calms me down. And I'm like, okay, he's fine. If he's fine, I'm fine. (laughs) That's, That's so funny in a way given that this game that you're working on is one about like video conversations where that's the way you get all of the narrative nuances through being able to watch the people say these things yeah that working on the game itself was a situation that required that kind of interaction absolutely yeah so your specific the things that you worked on in this game so the the desktop, this kind of beautiful virtual desktop. Can you talk me through some of the flourishes that you introduced that really kind of sell this interface? So one of the ones that's come up quite a few times is the battery charging oh, yeah. in the corner of the screen. Was that something that you were told to implement or was that just your idea? You just added it. I think I put that in really early on when I was mm. copying Tails. I essentially found an interface that I thought was appropriate for the theme and I copied it. Sam was actually happy with what I'd done. He was just like, okay, that's good. Let's move on. And I'm like, hang on a minute. So Ross, uh, creative director of Furious B, is like, I really want this game to look nice and distinctive in screenshots. Whereas Sam's point of view is, no, it needs to look bad because programmers did it. Uh, <laughs> so okay. and then so together they're like uh we've got to find some kind of compromise <laughs> so we took screenshots of the game and sent it to a ui designer that we know net out design and she reskinned it and sent um screens back to us like at this point it's not interactive at all it's just a screenshot and then we sent that to sam and then he was like okay i get what you mean now <laughs> yes let's do this <laughs> And then it was only really, really late in the day that we actually switched it to dark mode because Mojave came out and it came out with this dark mode. And as soon as I updated my MacBook, I was like, oh, I'll put dark mode on because I'm a programmer, I'm dyslexic and I like dark backgrounds and things. And uh, it looked amazing. And I said to Sam, I've got a screenshot actually of the message that I sent and I've saved it. And the file name is this came back to bite me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's because I sent him the message countdown to you asking me to change to change the UI to dark mode <laughs> and for sure it was a really good decision because it looks so beautiful and it allows the reflection to really pop as well it, it's much nicer when we control how visible the reflection is that it's on the dark background and 
it looks a lot more fitting that way. Yeah, let's talk about the reflection. So the reflection in the desktop is of the woman that you're playing as. And and is that one long video just superimposed over the gameplay? How does that work? So we've got like a because the reflection changes really subtly depending on how how late you are through the night there are different loops for each time of the morning so like her boyfriend will come through the room and maybe switch a light on or something like that and so then after that we use a different loop because we use the loop where that light's switched on it does change really subtly in the background as you go through the night and depending on what's happened. So in her story, a similar kind of thing happened. Obviously, the reflection was a lot more kind of just an outline. But when you'd got to a certain point and watched a certain clip, the lights would flicker and it would kind of indicate that you'd made a key discovery. Is that the same in Telling Lies? Is it after you've discovered a key piece of information or is it just at a certain point of the night? It's actually not necessarily just as you've discovered the key piece of information, but it's just mirroring your progression as you're learning about the story. It Every single video is sort of tagged as with an intensity, with how important that is for the story, and then that will move the time on in relation to how important the video clip is. So there's nothing to stop you from seeing the very last video in your first hour, but it will move the time on quite a lot because it's significant. Um, And then uh, only as you go through certain milestones, those events uh, trigger, just to give you a sense that time is not infinite. (laughs) But it's sort of worked too well, because people think that they are definitely running out of time. And so at some point, you know, like a thing will happen that allows you to end the game if you want to, everyone just immediately turns the game as soon as they see that thing. I think that maybe some people that played her story felt that there wasn't a, there wasn't so much a sense of closure. So I'm hoping that we've helped increase the sense of closure that those people that just wanted to finish can. And then the people that want 100% it can as well. (laughs) One of the really interesting things about her story that Sam didn't expect is that people speed run it. They've come up with like the most optimal list of search words in order to speed run the game as quickly as possible. Oh, to get like all the right clips to move the progress forward. Yeah, to get every single... So, you know, in her story, you get like a grid and there are uh, every time you view a video, a character appears on the grid and then they just want to fill the whole grid. I don't think they're even watching the videos because they're doing it in minutes. It's funny because they've just come up with this super efficient word list. You know, like they've looked for the words that have the most overlap so that they can get through it as quickly as possible. It's bizarre. And so nerdy. I love that. (laughs) What, when you were making this game, what was the biggest challenge that you faced while you were working on it? I mean, that's kind of question I should have an answer ready for, isn't it? Two and a half years, surely something sticks out as a nightmare. I mean, there have been bugs that have constantly keep coming back that I, that I battle with, you know, like the video starting from the beginning when it shouldn't. But some people would love that bug. I still, sometimes I see it occasionally when I watch streamers as well. And I want to say to them, what did you do? How did you do that? Um, the scrubbing is like, uh, Sam has referred to it as our Mario jump. 
we've spent a really, really long time tuning the scrubbing, trying to make sure that it works as smoothly forwards as it does backwards, trying to make it really feel like a studio editing uh, suite kind of thing. And, you know, just to be really tactile and to feel nice to do it. I can definitely remember there were times when I was like, I'm really sorry this is taking so long and I haven't checked in for three days. I don't know what's happening. But I can't even remember what those bugs were. You know, I can't. I can just remember the stress. Like I, when it's just one programmer, if you're not checking anything in, then nothing's getting checked in and nothing's moving on. And I, I find it quite stressful. After Sam's success with her story, people, I think, are going to have a tendency to treat him like something of an auteur, right? And there's a risk, as there so often is with games, that, you know, the other people who worked on the game, like yourself, might go unnoticed or unmentioned. You tweeted the other day that you put your heart and soul into telling lies. When you look at the game, where do you see that heart and soul most strongly? What makes you most proud? So the bit that makes me most proud is the desktop because that's the bit that I most associate with with my work. And the fact that, I mean, I love the reflection. I love the reflection coming in and out. A lot of that was my idea. You know, I kind of feel like because it, it was really us from our side that was pushing it to be a video reflection. And part of me recording me in my kitchen was to send Sam a build with a reflection in it, which was playing at the same time as the other videos, and to show him that technically it was possible and technically it could be done. And so that whole, you know, the whole section that was filmed was in addition to what was originally planned with our protagonist and her boyfriend. It seemed to have come from the result of me saying, no, we can do this in video and it will look best if we do it in video. So that's the bit that I really love. And Sam made a gif at one point when we were like preparing to start announcing and promoting. He made a gif that was just the desktop going in and out of reflection where it just subtly blurs the desktop and brings the reflection into focus. Whereas the rest of the time, the reflection is slightly blurred out and bloomed. And yeah, that's the bit that I, that's the bit that I really love. That's the bit that I'm really proud of. That's almost the perfect metaphor for the role of a programmer on a game like this, because the bit you're most proud of, this reflection, is kind of, it's in the background at all times. You can see it, but you're not really looking at it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, Sam's always going to be the best person to sell this game to the general public, and my my motivation at the moment is to try to help the games industry to know that I did everything behind the scenes in that. I think there was an article on gamesindustry.biz and I was like, oh, it doesn't mention us anywhere. And that's the one that I care about because <laughs> obviously the users, they don't care who I am and it doesn't matter. The Sam Bala is like the star. That's like the name that they associate with her story and with Silent Hill. So he's the right person to front it to that audience. But yeah, I just want, I want the game. I want more interesting projects like this. That's my motivation at the moment. I'm like, I love making narrative games. Like sometimes people just come to me with, this is going to sound really awful. Sometimes people come to me with games and as soon as they put it away again, I've forgotten what it is. You know, I've seen it so many times before and I find it really difficult to motivate myself to work on a game like that. I want things that are really interesting. I want things that push me 
push my ability where you go god is that even possible all through my career I've always tried to not use the word impossible difficult (laughs) (laughs) where you're about to say impossible say difficult because you never know someone's probably already trying to do it and you know they might get there so yeah I've always tried to say yes (laughs) to things that other people might have said no to If you've played Telling Lies, we'd love to know how you found it. Tweet us your spoiler-free thoughts at Talking Simpod. You can follow Lizzie at Lizzie Atwood, L-I-Z-I-A-T-T-W-O-O-D. I'm at Jerrica Weber, and you might want to follow me if you don't already, because you won't hear from me here for a while. We're going to take a little break and call this the end of the first series of Talking Simulator, because making a podcast takes time, and because this is our 10th episode, and I like round numbers but we will be back with another series before too long. If you have any dream guests you think I should interview, tweet me at Jerrica Weber or the podcast at Talking Simpod or email talkingsimulatorpod at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Talking Sim on your favourite podcast app so that you know as soon as the next series begins. And while we're on this little break, it would be really great to know what you thought of these first 10 episodes. So please take five minutes to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our music is by Jazz Mickle. You can find her at Jasmickle. Talking Simulator is edited by Lemmington's loveliest audio person, Dan Parks. If you need to make something sound good, you can find him at Dan C. Parks. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Talk again soon. I just, I really, I really love doing this podcast. It's like my favorite thing that I do, but... Who has the time and the money to do things they like doing, (laughs) you know? Yeah, absolutely. This is the thing that I discover more and more the older I get, that (laughs) you've got to pick and choose. Like I I had a beautiful garden last year and uh, (laughs) and then I really got into triathlon. You know that old proverb, one can only be a triathlete or a gardener, never both. (laughs) 